Hi there, my name is Alex Faust and you're listening to Conversations at the Edge. Each week we meet with a top business thought leader to learn what they think we should be prioritizing to build better businesses, positively impact our communities, and scale up. All right, good morning, good afternoon, good night, depending on what part of the world you are joining us from. I'm Alex Faust, your host of Conversations at the Edge. And I'm very excited to welcome a very new guest and the newest thought leader uh, as part of the Growth Institute community, Stephanie Paul. If you are not familiar with Stephanie, she takes great pride in coaching executives, sales teams, TEDx speakers, fundraisers, and experts of all kinds to become master communicators. She has a proven approach that she calls the powerful, emotional, engaging presentations, which draws upon her 29 years of rich and diverse entertainment experience. Um, so she can turn any boardroom, board, B-O-R-E-D, room into a lively, spirited, and connected room, creating highly memorable experiences for all. And she, like I said, is the newest thought leader at Growth Institute for her course, which is called The Deep Dive, Unlocking Disc, where we talk about how most teams never really achieve high performance because they don't have the proper training in communication. So Stephanie, welcome to Conversations at the Edge. Welcome to Growth Institute. Um and where are you calling in from today? I'm calling in from Los Angeles, California. Can you talk about what makes the DISC assessment such a great tool for understanding yourself, understanding your team, and in turn, you know, a communication tool um, to improve performance? Absolutely. Um, so DISC is an assessment where it assesses observable behavior. The thing that I love about DISC is because I'm a bit of a geek when it comes to human behavior. Uh, I like to read anything um, or from the experts like Joe Navarro or Chase Hughes, who's currently listed as the number one human behavior expert in the world right now. Um, so it's observable behavior. So it, when you look at somebody and the way they're acting or communicating or responding, um, it's pretty easy to see if you know what you're talking about and you have a little bit of background or experience in it, um, what their most prominent style is probably going to be. Um, so for example, DISC, D-I-S-C, stands for D, stands for dominance, how you approach problems and challenges. I stands for influence, how you influence and persuade others to your way of thinking. S stands for steadiness, how you approach the pace of life. Um, and C stands for what I like to say, how naughty you are, <laughs> because it actually means how you comply to rules and regulations set by others. And we can usually see that in, in someone's behavior, like a lot of CEOs or founders of startup companies and things like that, uh, in my experience, tend to have a high D or a prominent D in their disc style. So they're more direct, they're more bottom line oriented, they're, um, they're futuristic thinking, those types of things. And you can usually get that from, you know, somebody who starts a conversation with you might get straight to the point. If they get straight to the point, and they, they start talking details and bottom line, and they don't really want to know um, how you got there. They just want to know, did you get the task finished? Did you get it done on time? And how much money did we make? Somebody who talks like that is probably going to be a pretty high D. So I'm, I'm curious if you just have a basic level understanding of what the personality you know, traits are for the D, I, S, and C, can you still be effective in using it as a communication tool? Or do you really need to kind of dive deep to have deep training in, in the assessment? Well, no, you can still be um, uh, effective. Um, you know, if you take the assessment, you get a report back and 
the report basically gives you a lot of information. There's several uh, pages. I mean, I think that my uh, disc reports are about 30 pages long. Um, you also get um, a lot of information about the other styles. So it's, it's really important when you understand self first, uh, it's easier to understand others. And when you realize that sometimes, you know, maybe somebody's not being difficult with you, they're just different, you know, and they approach things from a different perspective or a different pace or, you know, like high C's, you know, they're more forensic accountants. They want to stick to the rules. They're, they're you know, about the, the law and all those type of things. They, they want to know the details, um, you know, and when you, are, when you are more empathetic or compassionate in the way you approach somebody else's different style, um, it's easy to understand that they're not being difficult. They're just different. And we want to have people with different behavioral styles um, on a team because they, um, you know, fix different problems and they deal with different issues. Like, I don't want to deal with the gap counting. I don't want to deal with the forensic anything. <laughs> you know, I'm really grateful that there are people out there who are high C's and love that stuff. Um, I'm really grateful who, pe who people are slower paced than me, who slow me down and say, hey, you know, we need to think about this, back up the truck before you make that decision. Um, you know, so it's important to have a well-rounded team because you can move forward together and solve problems in a very, um, you know, great way with lots of different input. That's interesting. So I'm, I'm curious when it comes to filling out a team and using DISC, are there certain roles that you find you want to look for specific personality types? You know, you mentioned C for, you know, maybe a data analyst or a legal counsel, D for a, a CEO potentially. But is, I mean, when you're working with, with companies and leaders, are you recommending specific types of personalities for different roles? Um, there, there's what we call uh, with um, the assessments that I use, because I, I don't just do DISC. I actually do uh, other assessments as well. I'm certified in five of them. Um, uh, EQ, um, you know, uh, internal motivators um, and, you know, soft skills and things like that. So um, I like to use all of them together with, with my leadership teams. Um, however, when uh, somebody's looking for a specific role, what we do is we create a benchmark uh, and everybody who in the team is going to communicate with that new role um, would put their input in like, you know, well, I'm, I need this type of person. I need da, 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 da. So then we create this quote unquote fake person, <laughs> um, but that has the attributes of the person that would, would uh, be best suited for that role, if that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously when we have a natural style and an adaptive style and if, and, and our, and if we are able to live in our natural style, um, we're much more comfortable. If we're constantly pre pressured into our adaptive style that shows up on the DISC report, um, we can be under extreme stress. And the report actually shows if you're under incredible stress, it'll, it'll flatline. Um, it's really interesting. I've seen it a couple of times when my reports have come back. And uh, the first time I saw it, I, it was a friend of mine had asked me to run her husband's assessment. And um, it came back and he was under extreme stress. And I said to her, look, before I talk to him uh, and give him his report, I just want to know, because uh, you're his wife, you know, is he under extreme stress? That's what's showing up in the report. And she said, oh, yeah, he's deployed in Afghanistan right now. And it's like, okay, that's kind of a stressful environment to be in. And the other time I saw it was a client of mine who was the founding CEO of a, a company that was growing at a rapid pace. 
and expanding into multiple countries. And he didn't have an executive team in place. So he was kind of wearing multiple hats as his company sort of ran away. And he was literally pulling back on the sales and, and like holding off on um, deals because he just couldn't handle it. So it does actually show up. And it is better for us if we are a C to do C roles, if we are a D to do a D role, you know, um, to try and get a D in a C spot, that's like putting a square peg in a round hole. It's just not going to fit. It will fit. You can bash it in there as long, you know, but that person's going to become very stressful and not very comfortable and, and not be happy in their environment. What recommendations do you have for leaders and employees who are maybe at opposite ends of the communication spectrums um, mm -hmm. and they process information and they like to share information very differently? How do you get them to collaborate and you know work together without getting frustrated that you know, the D won't give me the details and the C is giving me too much, too much stuff. I can't, I can't absorb all this information. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, in my training at the end, um, if you, the tab says uh, more from Stephanie Paul, if you go to that tab, I've actually broken down the styles, um, the D, the I, the S and the C, and I've given a cheat sheet for each style. Now, the statistical odds of somebody being a pure D and a pure I and a pure S and C is pretty rare. Um, I think it's only like 0.25% that, that there shows up pure Cs in the assessment um, data. So we're generally um, blended styles, but you know, your prominent style like mine is D, but I is just a little bit underneath there. So sometimes I joke that my D slaps my eye up that, you know, <laughs> when my eye is being too chatty catty and um, and happy and, uh, you know, persuasive and influence. Um, so uh, those cheat sheets will actually help people um, figure out maybe somebody else's style and then allow them to adjust to their style. So um, I literally had a situation once with a client who was a high C and her boss was a pure D. Like he, he that's rare, as I said, but he was a pure D. And um, he sent her this email and she sent it to me and she goes, can you read this email? Like, it's just, I mean, he's being so rude and did it. And I, and she had sent out this report and, you know, and thought she'd done this amazing due diligence and all the details were in there and everything. And I said to her, he's not being rude in his mind, he's being direct and he doesn't see the actionable items in your report. So him being the CEO of the company, he wants to be able to create the tasks and the actionable items based on your report, but he can't see that. So he's just come back to you with a couple of lines saying, where is this? <laughs> and she thinks she gave him the world, you know? Um, so it's, it's very interesting, I think, for people to read the other styles or understand the other styles. If, the, if you've done the report before and you have your own report, then you'll have information on, on those styles. Or if you know, if you're part of the Growth Institute, you can just go to that tab uh, and, you know, get the cheat sheet and just sort of keep it in your back pocket somewhere um, or download it so that in the future you can use it when you know you're going to speak to somebody of an opposing style or you're guessing they're an opposing style. Um, you know, especially for a D, obviously less details, more bottom line and results are kind of a conversation. So I'm curious to expand on that a little bit. You know, if you have these strong personality traits as a leader, is it then your responsibility to adapt in service of others or what kind of balance do you play in, you know, you being you 
and being who your team wants you to be? Or am I missing the point completely? No, I, I think great leaders are great learners. And I think that great leaders are vulnerable. I think that great leaders um, are, should be open to uh, learning and communicating with their teams. Uh, I think they should, you know, that uh, standing at the top of the mountain thing and expecting everybody to walk up it with you. Um, I don't think that really engages people like, you know, anymore. I don't, I don't think it's a great form of leadership. Um, I think leadership should, people in leadership should uh, lead through their values and integrity should be a given. It shouldn't be a value. It should be something that's just a given that, um, you know, if you don't have a moralistic compass and you don't lead with your values, uh, you should know what your values are. And, um, and not just the company values written on the website. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like if you, your values, if you speak to any human behavior expert, your values depict your behavior. And if you use the disc, a D values direct communication, right? Um, a D values bottom line, a D values res results, a C values details, values data, you know, um, those type of things. Um, but my personal um, values are education, authenticity, um, fun, which is a really big one for me, service going above and beyond what the expectation is, and courage. And I think all leadership should have courage. Um, you know, I've spoken with a lot of um, leaders who I admire, and they've all sort of said an agreement that um, courage to be vulnerable is key because vulnerability is not a weakness, it's a strength, right? Um, when we hide ourselves, that's a weakness. When we can show ourselves and people can connect to us, that's a strength, you know? Um, so I think great leaders um, can show those strengths and those values. And I mean, if you've got integrity, there's nothing wrong with, with not knowing, especially after COVID. So many leaders don't know what the turnaround the corner is going to be. And, and to say that you do is asinine to me. You know, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen in an hour, let alone <laughs> in, in two years' time. You know, and, and I think COVID taught us a very valuable lesson around the world about that. So what are some of the things that, you know, people are, are getting wrong most often? They want to use, you know, the tools from DISC. They want to incorporate these different communication styles um, to get better performance out of their team. Where do folks go wrong? Where do things maybe like fall off the rails? What, what kind of advice would you have for the community there? Um, I think like DISC is one tool. Uh, and I think um, it's a great tool for to start a conversation or at a starting point to develop a team member or develop a person or develop yourself. Um, there are other tools out there. And, you know, I don't know, I have, I'm still yet to find the research around this, but uh, I have a theory that, um, you know, we don't really learn good communication skills at, at elementary school or middle school or even high school or college. Um, even if you go and do a communications master's degree, you're not really learning human behavior and how to talk to another person and listen to another person and those types of things. And for, my theory is we learn our behavior and our communication skills from our family, right? And in many cases, that's a little bit dysfunctional. So people show up into their career and they've got the only tools they have really is their behavior and their communication tools that they learned growing up in their family unit, or maybe somebody who guided them and mentored them in some way. Um, so I think it's a great starting point to learn 
um, clean, um, non-emotional type communication skills because we're very emotional creatures. Um, our brain is, uh, has a huge component to it, which is our limbic system or amygdala area. Um, and before we even get to logic and reason and language, um, our, that part of our brain gets hold of that message first and we have an emotional reaction to it. And if we don't know how to you know, control our emotions through our emotional intelligence, um, we might not have a great emotional reaction to it. You know? And then our communication goes out the door because we all know what it feels like when you're so angry or so emotional, you can't think straight. Right? So you need your neocortex, which is where that meditative state or that, um, uh, what I'm thinking of is not, uh, you know, where you stop yourself and you slow down and you think, okay, take a few breaths. What am I going to say next? Um, that type of communication. And that comes with practice. So DISC is a great tool, but I think um, learning yourself how to use it um, and put the stop on any kind of emotional thing and check in like, hey, wait a minute, is this my perception? Is this really happening? Or is, you know, and, and I always say to my clients, ask a lot of questions. One of the best states to be in is curious and to stay curious. And you can use the disc to literally ask questions of other people to find out what their style is. It's that simple. Like um, if I didn't know somebody was uh, high S or I, I, I thought maybe they had a lot of S, I would um, start asking them how questions. The S likes how questions. Well, how, how do you see that happening? And, and they take a longer time to build trust with people. Um, so, you know, and they, and they like um, warm uh, environments. They don't like, you know, direct communication. They don't like, you know, curt-lipped and tight, you know, like they really like sort of a, you know, warm environment. And I see a lot of people in HR, you know, or in philanthropy, um, working for nonprofits that have a high S in their, in their profile. Um, so that's just an example, but yeah, does that answer your question? So I'm curious if you're interested in getting deeper into understanding DISC and how that can influence, you know, communication inside teams, you know, where would you start? Um, does everybody on the team have to start with an assessment or, or what do you, what do you recommend? Um, it's really interesting. So I, I've worked with a few um, companies that are in growth phase, you know, and so because they were in a growth phase, they wanted me to come in and work with the entire team and do like a two day training. Um, and uh, in that particular case, I started with the values. So even though it's not DISC, um, I started with the company values. Uh, they they'd recently got a new CEO and I really did a drill down exercise on the company values with them. Like what did the, you know, and, and, the, and the company went out and got everybody's input and, you know, to finally decide on what those values were. Um, and then that was prior to the training. And then we went in and did the training and I got everybody individually to do an exercise um, with me of their own personal values and, and, you know, and then share them in their small groups and things like that. Cause we had about 60 people at the, at the training. Um, and then we, and then I showed, then I started the disc training. So I bought, I showed them how their values played into who, what their style was in their disc. Does that make sense? Um, so their personal values, and if they were more of an S, you know, certain things really played into that style. So um, I really wanted them to truly understand how their values depicted their observable behavior. Um, and that, you know, it would be the way that I, I personally go about it. Other people do different things, but I think um, values are incredibly important and 
like whether you know your values or not, they actually drive your behavior. So I've, I mentioned that before, but I can't say that enough because it's really true. Any final you know, piece of advice or takeaways you want to share with the community before we go today? Um, I think um, one of, um, you know, I recently had uh, the n- number one human behavior expert, Chase Hughes, come and speak to my woman in leadership mastermind. And his book, uh, The Six Minute X-Ray, and he opens it, he talks about something to remember that we're all suffering. As human beings, we all suffer. As human beings, we've all had trauma in our life. And um, whether we've had training around that or we've looked at that or we've done our work on that, you know, like Byron Katie talks about the work, um, you know, if you start from a place where people understanding that, you know, not everybody's always in a good spot um, and being curious and being empathetic because the four things that really drive human connection, and there's been research around this, is transparency, sincerity, compassion, and humor. And those are the things that we connect to the most and very quickly to. If you want to build rapport with someone, um, get good at those four things. Uh, and, and just be open and stay curious. That's my best advice. Thanks for listening to Conversations at the Edge. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please share it with a friend or a teammate who you think would benefit from what we covered. In addition, you can find us on LinkedIn to get all of the updates. Or if you'd like to hear the full conversation, just visit growthinstitute.com forward slash the edge to learn how you can become a member as well. Thanks again and see you next time.